Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, start of a new week. Glad to have you along on the third day of the month of August. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. You want to be part of the show? We would love to hear from you. Don't forget, Mondays, that's when we give you winners and losers. We'll do that to begin the 4 o'clock hour. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? Boy, this is a weekend that provided us a lot of content as we roll in to a new week. Seaspire text line is open. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Seaspire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal the best plan for one or two lines $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Seaspire.com. That number is 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Fellas, what is up? Today, mostly this morning, was one of those days. We okay. get them. I've noticed since I moved here, it was the same thing in South Carolina where I grew up, but I've noticed since I've moved here, today was one of those days that you get every summer where it feels like a fall Saturday morning, where like there was a cool breeze. And it was like in the low 70s, and it just it felt like a fall Saturday. The, the smells and the sounds and the feeling of the air, even though it was August, I, I spent a little bit of time outside this morning, and I just sat there for a minute and just took it in because it felt like an October Saturday. And now it got hot this afternoon, of course, but we get four or five of these, I've noticed, every year in the summer where it feels like a fall Saturday just for a little while one morning. And today was one of those days. I don't think I noticed it as much this morning, but maybe on Saturday morning I did. And yesterday was not bad early. Hey, Dad, how was your weekend? Did you enjoy a fall Saturday morning this weekend? I, I did not. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't get any of that. Well, uh, if you'd get we, out of bed before 10 o'clock. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I had a good weekend. Uh, lazy, which is what I wanted. So there, much. there you go. There you go. Uh, we got a ton to get into, but there's uh, there's nothing that is grabbing more headlines in the sports world, despite uh, positive coronavirus tests in uh, in Major League Baseball on multiple teams, and the return of the NBA, and rolling into the first major championship of the calendar year for golf. PGA Championship begins on Thursday in Harding Park, out in uh, in San Francisco. Despite all of that. The, uh, the headline that is gaining the most attention is the story that broke yesterday morning on the Players' Tribune that was a, it wasn't exactly a letter. It was more of like, um, oh, I don't even know how you describe it. It was it, a list it, of it, demands that had a statement ahead of those demands. 
Yeah, I mean, there were a bunch of individual statements that culminated with the phrase, we are united, and then it got into a list of demands that originates with Pac-12 players and ultimately threatens that they will not participate in fall camp or the upcoming football season if their demands are not met. And the story on its own is plenty newsworthy. And we'll kind of take a look at it and go through some of what's in there. Uh, I'm sure you guys have got opinions, maybe even strong opinions uh, about some of what's there. Uh, On some of it, I've got really strong opinions, and on some of it, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, But to me, the bigger story here is, is whether or not this remains something that is isolated to the Pac-12, to the West Coast, or is it something that grabs a foothold and becomes a national movement? Is it something where players in the Big Ten and the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC and group of five conferences join in as well to turn this into a national, not just conversation, but an actual national threat, if you will, or if it's going to be something that remains kind of Pac-12 West Coast centric. I th- Any initial thoughts from either of you guys on it? Um, well, we could go down this list, and I've got a thought on every single demand, good and bad. Some of the stuff here is okay. And, like, there are things that they list here where I think, you know what, that makes sense. And that's something that they should probably fight for. And there are others that are completely out of their university's hands. Like, for example, there's one that is a six-year eligibility. Well, Cal can't give you that. No matter how many games or seasons you hold out from, that's not their call. They can do nothing about that. And then there's other things that are just completely absurd that it's not going to happen. But I think that this will not become a national thing because name, image, and likeness rights are coming. And name, image, and likeness rights for college athletes will end any request for a 50-50 revenue split or something like that. Once they're allowed to benefit off the free market, and because the NIL will allow them to keep their scholarships and still be college football players, I think this kind of stuff goes away once they're allowed uh, to do that. So this is a big deal and a big story and a big thing for the Pac-12, but once NIL comes, I don't think this is going to be some widespread uh, common thing until a change is made. I expect the NIL will take care of a lot of this. I, I tend to, to agree with, with, with what Borky's saying, and I don't, I don't think it's going to become a nationwide thing. I mean, you look even within the Pac-12, there's a lot of players who are saying, look, I support this, but I'm still going to play this year. I, I, I think more, by and large, players are going to end up playing uh, I, I feel like they're bluffing's not the right word, but I think they've overestimated their hand. They they think they have a good hand, and and they do have a lot of leverage. But there there's going they, well, I think I said this last week. There's a there's a line in the sand, and some of their demands are going to cross that. Even for people like me who support players getting a, a piece of the pie. Hey, Dad, if I if I wanted to take your poker analogy just a step farther, yeah, I mean the the players maybe they've got a small pair, or a couple of face cards, and they're waiting on the cards to be flopped on the table, it's not like they're holding pocket aces before the flop. So, if you've not heard this story, 
you, you certainly can be forgiven for that because the Players' Tribune is not something that is as mainstream as ESPN or USA Today or, or anything like that. But it's been retweeted all over the place, and you've probably heard something about it. So this story dropped yesterday morning, uh, about 8 o'clock, I think it was. I was sitting at, uh, at the breakfast table working on a cup of coffee and uh, eating a donut. And I was like, oh, it's this is more than a one donut article. There, there's some <laughs> there's some thought that's got to go into this one. I, I don't want to read all of it for you, but I'll, I'll summarize what they said, and then we'll get into the demands. And, and this is going to take a little while to kind of go through all of it, but I think it's important for us to go through what's there before we kind of start peeling the layers back and, and really talking about what this could mean for college football and what options uh, conferences, individual schools, the NCAA, et cetera, have. It starts by saying, because NCAA sports exploit college athletes physically, economically, and academically, and also disproportionately harm black college athletes, hashtag we are united. And that's the theme. It's, it's we are united is, is what they end all of these statements with. In rejecting the NCAA's claim that black lives matter while also systemically exploiting black athletes nationwide, we are united. Because we are being asked to play college sports in a pandemic, in a system without enforced health and safety standards, and without transparency about COVID cases on our teams, the risk to ourselves, our families, and our communities, we are united. Because we must have adequate COVID testing to help protect our health, we are united. Because we are prohibited from securing representation while being asked to sign documents that may serve as liability waivers, we are united. Because we should not be stuck with sports-related medical expenses, including COVID-19-related expenses, we are united. Because any player who does not feel comfortable playing this season should be free to opt out without losing their scholarship or any eligibility, we are united. Because immoral rules would punish us for receiving basic necessities or compensation for the use of our name, images, and likenesses, While many of us and our families are suffering economically from the COVID-19 fallout, we are united. Because we should be included in equitably sharing the revenue our talents generate, especially in a pandemic, we are united. Because unjust rules prevent the 98% of college football and basketball players who won't go pro from capitalizing economically on what would otherwise be the most valuable years of our lives, including many black players from low-income homes, we are united. Because eliminating lavish salaries and facility expenditures to preserve all sports must be prioritized, we are united. Because the NCAA has failed us and we are prepared to ensure that our conference treats us fairly, whether or not it continues its NCAA membership, we are united. In forming alliances with college athletes from other conferences to unite with us for change, we are united. We are united in our commitment to secure fair treatment for college athletes. That's what the story said, and then it listed demands. We'll talk about those next. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. All right. You've already got a bunch of questions and comments coming in on the C Spire text line, and we appreciate those. I'm going to hold off on going to them for a second because I kind of want us to, again, I think there are probably a lot of people who maybe are hearing about this for the first time or haven't really dived in and figured out what all's going on here or what all the the story is about. 
And so, if you will, hang with us. We'll circle back to those comments, but I'd like to completely kind of lay things out before we get down that road. I, I will address Jess's, uh, Jeff's question. Jeff on the C Spire text line says, are we supposed to care about this? Jeff, I'm not telling you to care about it or not care about it. I'm just telling you that this is a sports talk radio show that focuses primarily on college football. And this is a story that has potentially um, massive implications for the upcoming co- uh, college football season. And while it's starting on the West Coast, the question I left with you with just a second ago is, are we going to see this in the Southeastern Conference? So you don't have to care about it at all, but that's the reason we're talking about it. And I think a lot of people probably do care about this and some of the implications that it could have for the upcoming season. There were a handful of players around the SEC that tweeted their support of these guys. They did not say if they were going to sit out or not, but even Trevor Lawrence uh, said something on Twitter about how their defense and what they said is uh, well put. So it's something that people and players around here are paying attention to. There are things about this proposal that are right, that are okay. And then there are things in this proposal and in the demands that we'll look at now that are like straight out of Looney Tunes, like just complete la-la land. So Pac-12 football unity demands to protect and benefit both scholarship and walk-on athletes. You know, it's interesting in there, We Are United claims that they mentioned a couple of things just in passing about sports not being eliminated, but when they get to the demand structure, it's Pac-12 football unity demands. COVID-19 protections, these are the demands. Allow an option not to play during the pandemic without losing athletics eligibility or spot on your team's roster, which is kind of what the Pac-12 and the SEC and other conferences have done when they've said anybody can opt out for COVID-19-related reasons or concerns without losing their scholarship or their spot on the roster. One glaring issue with this thing is the lack of examples. They provide one example of what they're talking about, and that's when you get down to the endowment stuff, uh, that Stanford could tap into their endowment, but they choose not to. But there are things in here where they talk about disproportionate treatment of, of black athletes. Well, I figured the NCAA rules applied to everybody, but if there's an example where a, a black student-athlete is treated differently, I would love to see it because I, I don't know that it exists. It, there's another thing in here where they're talking about... Oh, pro- let, let's walk through them one okay, at a time. Sorry, let, sorry. Let's, get all the way, let's just kind of lay the whole thing out, and then we'll, we'll move forward. Getting ahead of myself. Prohibit agreements that waive liability. Uh, mandatory safety standards. They want player-approved health and safety standards enforced by a third party selected by players to address COVID-19 as well as serious injury, abuse, and death. Protect all sports. Preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. They say Larry Scott, administrators, and coaches to voluntarily and drastically reduce excessive pay. End performance and academic bonuses. I'm assuming that means in coaches' contracts and athletics directors' contracts as well. And end lavish facility expenditures and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports. And Borky, to your point, he says, as an example, Stanford should reinstate all sports discontinued 
by tapping into their $27.7 billion endowment. Uh, They suggest that there should be an end to racial injustice in college sports and society. The suggestions or the demands are to form a permanent civic engagement task force made up of our leaders, experts of our choice, and university and conference administrators to address outstanding issues such as racial injustice in college sports and in society. Number two, in partnership with the Pac-12, 2% of conference revenue would be directed by players to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on each campus. Number three, they want to form an annual Pac-12 Black College Athlete Summit with guaranteed representation of at least three athletes of our choice from every school. Economic freedom and equity. Under the heading Guaranteed Medical Expense Coverage, medical insurance selected by players for sports-related medical conditions, including COVID-19, to cover six years after college athletics eligibility ends. When it comes to NIL, they want the freedom to secure representation, receive basic necessities from any third party, and earn money for use of our name, image, and likeness rights. And then finally... Fair market pay, rights, and freedoms. Distribute 50% of each sport's total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. Six-year athletic scholarships to foster undergraduate and graduate degree completion. Elimination of all policies and practices restricting or deterring our freedom of speech, our ability to fully participate in charitable work, and our freedom to participate in campus activities outside of mandatory athletics participation. Number four, ability of players of all sports to transfer one time without punishment, and additionally in cases of abuse or serious negligence. Number five, ability to compete uh, complete eligibility after participating in a pro draft, if a player goes undrafted and foregoes professional participation within seven days of the draft. And number six, due process rights. So that's the list of demands by the We Are United Pac-12 group that published this story in the Players' Tribune. And there is a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Isn't the biggest takeaway, at least mine was, is that somewhere along the way, uh, when these kids were growing up, somebody failed them. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, The fact that they could write this letter and talking about unfair exploitation, and I am firmly on board with them benefiting from their name, image, and likeness. I'm a capitalist. I think if you're an adult and somebody wants to give you money to do a car commercial, you should be allowed to do that. However, To talk about their situation as a college football player in such a negative way, somebody has failed them. They don't understand the opportunity that's in front of them. I mean, could you imagine what comes with a degree from Stanford? And put your political biases aside, Cal Berkeley, generally a fantastic academic institution, and Cal players are the ones that kind of started this, right? You get a degree from Cal, which is about fifty grand a year monetarily, but it opens doors for you in your life that 
myself included, a lot of people never would have gotten otherwise, and most of the roster can say the same thing. You also get a nice few thousand dollar check to start every year, just just because you can have it. Uh, You get fed whenever you want to. You get to live for free. You get tutors. You get trainers. You get health care. You get to train in facilities to try to become a professional athlete. But when you don't become a professional athlete, because the number of guys on your team that will become one is a tiny number, you have... You get to leave college, if you do it right, with a few thousand dollars in the bank and a degree that opens doors for you that you never would have gotten otherwise from a fantastic school. And you, the way you, these athletes and then people in media have described their situation, somebody failed them because they do not realize how good they have it. Being a college football player is awesome. You get treated like a king, you get free everything, and you get to leave a great school, which most of them in the Pac-12 are, debt-free and with doors open that never would have been otherwise. Financial opportunities for the rest of your life that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And you want to talk about college football like this? You lose me right there. We have devalued a college degree and scholarship so much, it's really sad that they think that they are getting nothing for playing football. It's really sad. Hey, Dan, what's your takeaway? Well, first off, I don't totally agree with Borky there in that, I mean, you don't know that. You're not a college football player. You don't know what they're going through. I mean, those guys go out there and they get beat the hell up 12 weekends a year. Yeah. A lot of them suffer injuries, suffer brain damage that they'll never recover from. So I don't think it's fair for you who, who you don't sit in their shoes to say that it's, it's awesome. I mean, I'm, I would love to have played college football. But I don't know what that experience is completely like. All I see is the games. I don't see the practices. I don't see what goes on in workouts. I don't see what what happens to them here, there, and, and everywhere else. Um, I know we're coming up against the break, but I think a lot of those demands those demands are, are pretty unreasonable. They're not going to get met, and and I don't think that a lot of those guys are going to boycott. But uh, I mean, if you don't stick up for yourself, man, nobody else will. We'll continue the conversation. We'll get to some of your messages on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, and we continue. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and Brian Haydad. Winners and losers coming to start the 4 o'clock hour. Got some basketball news at Mississippi State, some football news from over the weekend in terms of a whole bunch of um, official offers going out as was allowed starting on August 1st and some commitments in Oxford and in Starkville. So uh, we'll get to all of that as we cruise through the show this afternoon. Uh, not great news, by the way, for the St. Louis Cardinals, who reportedly have 13 positive COVID tests in their travel party, and I think seven of the thir- either six or seven of the 13 are players. So uh, St. Louis's uh, series that was supposed to begin, I guess tonight, has uh, now been canceled, and they're staying put in Milwaukee until Wednesday. So we're talking about the um, We Are United proposal. That uh, came from Pac-12 players. Don't know exactly how many players were involved with this, but uh, came out uh, yesterday morning. 
and all that goes along with that. And then, to me, the bigger question is, uh, are we going to see some version of this in the Southeastern Conference? Are we going to see some version of this in the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10? We're going to see players kind of join the movement, and what could that look like if it happens? So, first of all, there's no way all of the demands will be met. Just absolutely no. complete no and total and utter non-starter. Not going to happen. Yeah. There are some things within this list of demands that are altogether reasonable. And in some cases are already in the works. The name, image, likeness stuff is in the works right now. They are moving toward that. The idea that you've got, like, the assistant defensive line coach putting together COVID protocol for a major university right now is its just a fallacy. Every school in the country has its own medical professionals that are working day and night on this and have been for four-plus months now. Every conference has medical professionals that are working to put that strategy together and, and, and have it evolve, have it change based on new information that comes along. All the conferences are working in conjunction with their the, the state health organizations within their footprints and with the CDC. So the idea that you got to have a bunch of independent medical professionals put this in place, they've kind of got the best medical people that they can come up with that are working on protocols to try and keep players safe as we roll back toward the start of a college football season. Um, I tweeted this yesterday morning. I, I'm all for the name, image, and likeness stuff going forward, giving college athletes the opportunity to capitalize on themselves. If you want to have a compensation conversation, I'm willing to have that. But this is not breaking new ground here. You've heard me say this for, for years. I'm willing to have that conversation. But we cannot start the conversation if you believe the starting point in value is zero. If you look at this on the player side of things right now and you say, all right, let's have a conversation about compensation. We're starting at zero and we got to go from there. Then we're done. Because we can't get to a common ground. We're using Pac-12 universities as an example. So let's just go to the most elite school in the Pac-12, Stanford, of which reportedly a number of Stanford student-athletes are part of this group that has sent this proposal out there. Tuition at Stanford. Not, not everything that goes, not cost of attendance, just tuition, is now north of $60,000 a year. All right, so assuming that you don't get a redshirt year, which almost everybody does, unless you're leaving early to go to the NFL or the NBA or some professional sports organization, so the overwhelming majority of student-athletes are going to take a redshirt year. But let's just set that aside. Let's just say four years, tuition only at Stanford, you're at a quarter million dollars. And then we add books on top of that. And that's several thousand dollars. 
and we add on top of that a place to live. I don't know if you've checked out Palo Alto real estate lately, but it is ridiculous. Had a conversation with somebody very, very recently about an assistant coach who was single, and this was not a football coach. This was a coach in another one of Stanford's 326 sports prior to cutting things back a little bit. It was an assistant coach, single, attempting to live, and his rent was in the neighborhood for a one-bedroom place in Palo Alto, was in the neighborhood of $3,500 a month. Rent for a one-bedroom. Okay, so maybe dorms don't cost that much, but let's just say it's $10,000 a year. Over the course of four years, there's another 40000 So we've gone from two fifty to, oh, I don't know, two sixty five for books after you add all that in, drop another forty. So we're now up over $300,000. I found the cheapest listing on Trulia in Palo Alto, just off of campus. It's a 427-square-foot studio. For two thousand two hundred and fifty dollars a month. There you go. It's expensive. Really, really expensive. By the way, uh, total charges for full tuition-paying families: seventy-three thousand four hundred twenty-five dollars for the academic year 2020-2021. So I was even underestimating that. But that's okay. We're just playing numbers here. So we're up to about $305,000, and we've not eaten a single meal. Okay, so this is where we get into cost of attendance. So let's just add another 15000 on top of that per year. So now you're up to about $375,000. And remember those cost of attendance checks that the NCAA allowed a couple of years ago? Well, there's another additional $5,000 a year or so. So now you're up to about 400000 Many students are eligible for Pell Grants, and I don't even know what the current Pell Grant number is right now, but if you either come from a low-income family or you are no longer claimed as a dependent by your parents and basically have no income, then you're eligible for student aid Pell Grants. That's money that does not have to be repaid. It just comes in the form of a lump sum. And when you don't have any other expenses, the few thousand dollars a year that comes along with that is incredibly helpful. So we're talking about, uh, what, another, let's just call it 10000 a year for four years, and now we're up, I, I've lost count, we're up around $450,000. We haven't talked about medical care. We haven't talked about access to athletic and training facilities. We haven't talked about tutoring. We haven't talked about coaching. We haven't talked about team-issued computers, laptops, uh, and iPads. We haven't talked about all of the extracurricular services that are available to student-athletes. It's easily, at a place like Stanford... $700,000 in benefits over the course of four years. Easily. I read a story over the weekend that estimated that it's a million-dollar education. 
You know, that that was the figure that used to be reserved for United States military academies. That if you went to the Naval Academy, you went to West Point, or you went to the Air Force Academy, you were receiving a million-dollar education. And now let's rewind to Borky's point just for a second. Now, if you want to work in marketing in the state of Mississippi, I don't know that there's really that much value to a diploma from Stanford. I don't think that there's any more value to a diploma from Stanford than there is from Mississippi State, from Southern Miss, or from Ole Miss. Because you're in an entry-level marketing position in the state of Mississippi. Where a degree from a place like Stanford separates you is when you are trying to get into an elite graduate school. You're trying to get a job on Wall Street. You're trying to get a job in Silicon Valley in techno- uh, technology, you know, some sort of development job. You're trying to get a job at a consulting firm. Talking about jobs that you know pay eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars right out of school. That's where a degree like Stanford separates you. A degree from a business school in the Ivy League separates you when you're trying to get a job or an internship at Goldman Sachs on Wall Street. It doesn't help you necessarily if you're trying to sell insurance in Arkansas or to be a drug rep in Birmingham. But if you're trying to do something different, that's where it sets you apart. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Quick first hour of the show. Glad to be with you. I kind of laid out all the expenses that are related to a a scholarship athlete at a place like Stanford. The numbers may not be as big at Arkansas or Auburn or Mississippi State or Ole Miss, but they are still incredibly significant. I mean, if it's a $850,000 four-year education at Stanford, it might be a four dollars or $500,000 four-year education at a place like Mississippi State or at Ole Miss. It's real money. And I guess the final thing, maybe, maybe two or three other points quickly, and then we can kind of start to move on to something else, although I think we'll have some different layers of this throughout the afternoon. Number one, you leave college debt-free. It's not possible if you did not leave college I'm sorry, if if you left college not owing anyone a penny, it is not possible for those of us who had student loans to explain to you how big of a blessing that is. Whether it was because of your academic achievement or uh, an incredibly um, generous family situation, Or maybe you worked your own rear end off through college and just paid for it in cash as you went. Walking away with a diploma and no debt, it gives you a leg up in life financially. Now, we're not even talking about partial scholarships here because that's not the case for all student-athletes, but for those who are on full scholarships, that's a really big deal. Number two, the other thing that that, that you've got, or or another, another thing that you have going for you is... 
to play college sports. And so there's some name ID there. And I don't think it's any secret that employers love hiring former athletes. It, it shows that you know how to be a part of a team. There's name ID there that, that's there. Generally, people from other you know, walks of life like to interact with former college athletes. It just makes you really marketable. So those are a lot of the benefits that are in place right now. I don't think the demand for some health care post-college football career is outlandish. might be really expensive. Six years might be a little bit of a stretch, but I don't think providing health care for a couple of years post-football is the worst thing because I mean, hey Dad, think about you know the the backup offensive lineman who had a knee injury as a junior and had to have surgery on it and came back and played again and then they're done with school and well the school's no longer on the hook for anything. Right. Well, I mean, you may have to have another surgery or two right when you get out of college to try and get it right going forward as you get ready to go sell insurance for the next thirty years. Fair. That's a I don't that's think that's outlandish. No, I don't. I don't either. Name, image, and likeness stuff. I'm all for it. The, the idea that we reinstate sports and don't act sports based on not spending more on lavish facilities anymore, so you guys are no longer interested in the upgrades. Like how many stories have we read and glowing social media Post by players have we seen about sleep pods in the LSU locker room and a slide in the Clemson football facility and the waterfall in Alabama. That's part of what has, has been so attractive to student athletes. I mean, if you just want to go back to gray metal lockers and, you know, wooden benches in the locker rooms and no upgrades to the facilities and no video boards and no enhanced sound systems and no light shows when touchdowns get scored and not upgrading the pre- playing surface. Well, okay. I think those things have been attractive. I, I think that's part of what has set major college athlete athletics apart. I mean, how many times have we heard former baseball players say, man, you don't realize how good you had it in the SEC until you start going and playing A-ball somewhere. Yeah. In terms of instruction and facilities and equipment, I mean, you, you, you play SEC baseball, you roll out on a Friday night for batting practice before your first game, they have just unboxed like eight dozen or maybe it's 15 dozen pearls, brand-new baseballs, and they do it every single week. It doesn't happen in the minor, minor leagues. No. buddy of mine played high A ball, and they took a school bus for a nine-hour one-way road trip one time. There you go. Well, college baseball is chartering planes now in a lot of cases. Not everybody, not all the time. That's happening. So the idea that the athletic department is going to go dollar for dollar with every penny that comes in, there's going to be a 50-50 split where half of it goes to the school to fund everything, and the other half of it goes in the student-athletes' pockets? Nope. Is this going to be a free market system you want, or are we going to go with the socialist system where everybody gets the same? I mean, does the quarterback and the backup punter get the exact same amount? Are we going to let this be a merit-based system? Let it be a capitalist-based system?
You thought about that? Winners and losers is next. Hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. Seaspire text line is open 601 879 4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a Seaspire business internet phone bundle backed by real support. The IT experts at Seaspire equip your organization with reliable high speed internet and industry leading VoIP phone systems plus 24-7 local support so you can focus on your goals, they've got connectivity covered. See how Seaspire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. We want your winners and losers from the weekend. You can text them 601-879-4395. We'll start with Mike in Oxford who says, Hey, Dad is a winner for sharing dinner pics on Twitter. Hey, Dad is a loser for not sharing dinner recipes on Twitter. Oh, he only got 280 characters, man. That's, that's, there that's you go. Tough. All right, let's do it. Winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never All right, what did you like from the weekend? What did you dislike from the weekend? Michael Borky, you can go first. Give me a winner. How about James Harden? So what is the narrative around James Harden in defense? Doesn't play it. Doesn't play it. And there is video evidence to back that up. During the regular season, James Harden cannot be bothered to rotate or play any kind of team defense whatsoever. Last night, not the case. So he was okay Uh, offensively, 24 points. He didn't shoot the ball really well. Had seven boards seven assists, and six steals. Late in that game where they beat the Bucks last night, he was Giannis's primary defender and absolutely locked him down, matched him physically as well for being so undersized compared to Giannis, played incredible defense against the Greek freak last night. So uh, uh, bucking the narrative a little bit on his inability to play defense, it's clearly just an unwillingness to do so. But when he's locked in, he plays the way he does last night, and that was really impressive to watch. Is it turning it up as we get closer to playoff time? Because I, I just wonder if maybe it's not physically possible to play that level of defense for an 82-game regular season. You can't. There's no way he can play like he did last night for 82 games. No way. No, I agree with that. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Uh, the Toronto Raptors uh, really mm-hmm. handled the Lakers easily on uh, on Saturday and then got a win just earlier today against the Heat. You know, when they lost Kawhi, I think a lot of people wrote, myself included, wrote them off, but that's a really, really good basketball team. I won't be surprised at all if they come out of the East and are able to take down the Bucks. And honestly, they look like they can go head-to-head with the Lakers or the Clippers. The Lakers haven't beaten the Raptors, I think I saw, since like 2011 or something like that. Is it like something 16 ridiculous. in a row or something it's crazy so, It's like something that? crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's something really ridiculous. So, yeah. For for uh, for a team that lost its star player, and I think a lot of people wrote them off, they are right there in the mix to win a world championship. And yeah, Nick and Nurse didn't get Coach of the Year, which is just ridiculous. But anyway, sorry. He was didn't what, have a problem one with Donovan vote away from a three-way tie. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have a problem with Donovan winning it. I thought that team was was destined for the lottery. I thought that Chris Paul would be a uh, a huge distraction, and it turns out that they've played really, really well. 
you know, the, uh, the, the, the Bucks coach, I mean, was it Buddenhauser? I can't pronounce it. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, that team's really good, so. Yeah. Maybe a, a little bit of a local bum angle or, or kind of bummed out angle is Terrence Davis isn't playing as much. One thing that the uh, the, the time off did for Toronto has got them healthy. Siakam's playing huge minutes. Kyle Lowry's playing huge minutes. Fred Van Vliet's playing huge minutes. Serge Ibaka's playing big minutes. And some of those minutes have gone away that were going to uh, Terrence Davis. Played only four minutes in the game earlier today. But he was photographed with a hole in his mask. Yeah, which people are kind of the ire of some NBA people. Yeah, and, and he's getting kind of ripped for being a coronavirus truther, but you know. Yeah. And the thing is, the stuff he said really isn't all that bad uh, when you when you look at it. He's not saying that he's not doing what Michael Porter Jr. did and said it was for population control, like engineered by Bill Gates and government officials to kill us all. He's not going down that road, but. He's, no, he basically was saying all, all we're being do, done is told how to prevent the virus, not to how to boost our immune systems to fight it. Yeah, which is not unreasonable. It doesn't mean he's a truther out here. It makes sense, but he's still getting roasted for it. Uh, Justin Thomas wins in Memphis. $1,842,000, the first place check for the World Golf Championship St. Jude Invitational. Uh, had a couple of shots go awry, but really didn't have anybody attacking him as Brooks Kepka um, did not play particularly well down the stretch and then hit one in the drink and made a double on uh, on 18 in Memphis. If you've been to that golf course or you've watched that tournament before, the one thing you can't do on 18 is hit it in the water. you got to kind of flirt with the water's edge if you want a really good a chance, uh, chance to attack the pin on Sunday to try and make a birdie. But... There's plenty of room out to the right. You can go hit it over to the bunker and hit five iron, four iron into the green and still have a chance. You don't have a chance, though, if you hit hybrid off the tee and you splash it into the water on 18, which is exactly what Brooks Kepka did. And I guess the secondary winner, first major of the year, PGA Championship, which means golf late in the day and into the evening and the replays you'll be able to watch Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday into the evening, and it's going to make us jealous because the high temperature each day that they are in San Francisco is 65. Love those uh, primetime majors, though. Oh, absolutely. Sign me up for that. Golf where, you know, maybe you got to wear a sweater or pullover or it's just perfect. I am in. Uh, any other winners? No winners, just a couple of losers. Michael Borky's Pelicans are terrible. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Got a must-win tonight, though. Starting against? Against the Memphis Grizzlies, who you want to talk about everything has been laid out perfectly for New Orleans to come back. Memphis has lost twice. I mean, you get everybody in front of you is kind of sputtering. The Spurs have been good, which is not a surprise, but everybody in front of you is just kind of hanging around, and all you had to do was make one shot late against the Jazz, and you would be in prime position to maybe even catch Memphis for the eight to avoid uh, having to win two games in a play-in series, and they have completely crapped the bet. It's, the effort Saturday was embarrassing. And that was an effort thing. That was not a lack of talent thing. It was awful. Uh, I'll give you one more winner, and this is also related to the, uh, the golf tournament in Memphis. 
I don't know if you saw the little stories or not, but every year you'll see golfers that wear shoes that are a little bit different during that tournament. St. Jude patients and patients who have recovered do artwork that goes on some of the shoes. I don't know if it's a partnership with Titleist Foot Joy, or, because I think all the shoes were, were Foot Joys that they were doing. But you know, Justin Thomas was wearing shoes that had custom-painted uh, logos, not necessarily St. Jude logos, but you know whatever the kid that designed it wanted to uh, put out there. There are a handful of golfers that were uh, were doing that, and that's really really cool. Uh, Pat in Oxford says uh, CBS and Golf Channel for putting the most positive production on the FedEx St. Jude World Golf Classic on with no fans. Letting the kids from St. Jude call some holes was great. Yeah, I, I just absolutely love uh, how they incorporate those two things for uh, for this particular tournament. So sorry, that was circling back to a winner. Uh, hey, Dad, how about a loser? Uh, Mississippi State basketball got a got a big loss today. Robert Woodard will stay in the NBA draft. Uh, man, when I look at that team and that roster, I give Howland a lot of credit for the way he put that team back together. You know, when they lost six guys to the transfer portal, you were wondering how that was all going to come together. Uh, and they've got, you know, what appears to be a, a reasonably good starting lineup, but I don't know that that's a tournament team by any stretch of the imagination. So good for Woodard. I hope he, you know, he gets drafted. Good kid every time we talk to him. Uh, but for Mississippi State basketball, it, it the thing I said, on, it's, I guess it's technically on tomorrow's podcast, is when you hired Ben Howland, I don't know that you thought in year six it would be back to rebuilding. You thought that team would probably be, you know, hopefully competing for, for SEC championships at that point, and it just hasn't been that way so far. Yep, has not. Borky, you get another loser? Uh, Dan Levitard. So Jonathan Isaac, okay. uh, Jonathan Isaac stood for the national anthem. He was the only NBA player to do so. And because it's 2020, that made headlines. Uh, shortly after, I think the next time game, out real quick. It was the, it was the same night. It was on Friday night that also Greg Popovich and uh, Becky Harmon, the head coach and assistant coach for San Antonio, not the same game, but they stood also for the national anthem. Particularly, sorry, just yes. a quick aside there. Uh, in the next game, Jonathan Isaac tears his ACL. Dan Lebetard, the fifty-year-old man that wears flat bills on his radio show, uh, tweeted a poll. Is it funny that the guy who refused to kneel immediately blew out his knee? Yes or no? That's gross. I assume that somebody was going to have that take, that there was some sort of poetic justice. Yep, I actually had a, a, a note here for Jonathan Isaac to put him on the winner's list. Not that I'm making anybody that kneels for the National Anthem a loser. I, I'm not doing that. I, I think you've got the right to do that if you want to do it. But I thought it took a lot of courage for Jonathan Isaac to do that and then go out and play a really good game on top of it. And his teammates and the rest of the league seemed to be welcoming of it. They all supported him. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, continuing our winners and losers from the weekend. Borky, you said you had a bunch, a couple of losers. What was the other one? Well, I was going to say Brooks Kepka because how can you on 17 drill a 50-foot putt to come within one, and then immediately you hook your drive on 18 to knock yourself out of the tournament. Come on, man. <laughs> Trying to become a three-time winner, back-to-back-to-back at the PGA Championship as they head to San Francisco this week. Justin Thomas, I, I don't think you mentioned this stat specifically, is now the third youngest player in history to win 13 times on tour. The two guys in front of him? Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas. 
They were good, right? Yeah, just a little bit, yeah. The trajectory for Justin Thomas's career is pretty strong. He's won nine times on P- on the PGA Tour since Jordan Spieth last won. It's crazy, right? And Spieth was that cow, right? The bell cow that he's the next Tiger Woods. He's this uber-talented young kid, and his best friend was over here uh, actually going on that path. All right, any of uh, your winners and losers? Uh, Joey and Madison says loser. Joe Kelly for being Joe Kelly. He is the reliever for the Dodgers that was suspended by Major League Baseball for throwing at several of the Houston Astros, despite the fact that he did not connect. You think he intentionally didn't connect? Or is he so wild he was trying to throw at him but missed to that? I could be sold on either side of that. I think hmm. even if he's got the reputation of being erratic, a major league baseball pitcher can hit a guy if he if he wanted to, and he could also come close to hitting a guy, but not doing it if he wanted to too, right? You would think, yeah. Kelso in Ocean Springs says, "Loser, my fantasy football team had a virtual draft with my buddies on Sunday after an eleven-hour flight into Hurricane. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up." Isaisis. It looks like Isaiah's, but it's it's a four syllable pronunciation, and I've looked at the pronunciation of that storm a bunch of times, and I still can't get it right. I think they were saying Isaias on the news. Okay, Isaias. Fair enough. By the way, Kelso also told us going back to the conversation about what it costs to go to college. Says the Air Force spends about two million dollars to train a fully qualified pilot. And he said, I don't know what we're talking about, though, because I just got into my truck. <laughs> uh, yep. Talk radio. Yep, yep, yep. Um, let's see. Let's see if there are any other winner. Uh, winner. The Florida boaters who got up close to the SpaceX spaceship capsule as it landed in the Gulf of Mexico. That was one that I wanted to put in my winners. I just forgot. I meant to make a note of it yesterday when I was reading the story. So they had the successful launch. They docked at the International Space Station. And then they came back and had a smooth little landing in the Gulf of Mexico, about 40 miles off of Pensacola, and had speedboaters there to pick them up and bring them back home safely. Bravo to American Ingenuity and SpaceX for uh, getting us back into space. Well done. Do you see what they said when they were done, by the way? What did they say? Mars is next. Oh. I thought that was pretty awesome. That would be kind of a big deal, no? Oh, yeah, just yeah, a little. That would be a huge deal, yeah. Did, did you see the still image, by the way, of the guys that were out there fishing? Just staring at the space capsule. I mean, could you imagine just being out in the Gulf, just doing some fishing, and this little pod with parachutes on it just floats down and lands nearby? Yeah. That would be so awesome. Especially if you didn't know what was coming. Yeah. (laughs) Like they say, the news this morning said they uh, were unsuspecting, but don't you think they kind of had an idea of what was going to happen that day and they wanted to be out fishing in the area that it was going to land so they could be there without getting kicked out? No question. 
winner, the Mississippi Flag Commission gave the opportunity to submit ideas for our new flag. There were over 2,000 entries. The requirement was it must have the phrase, in God we trust, on the flag. Someone, hey, Dad, was this you? Wasn't me. Wasn't me. I would never encourage. It had a flag design that had Elijah Moore leg hiked, uh, leg hiked in the end zone in Starkville within rainbow letters up in the top left-hand corner. In God we trust. <laughs> I would never encourage urination simulation. Yes. I looked through most of them. There were a lot of pretty good ideas, but, man, some of them were so great. Like one that was literally just the current flag, or the old flag now of, of Mississippi, but the Canton was the SEC logo. <laughs> so the flag commission's got to sit down and consider the SEC logo at least for a few seconds before they dismiss it as they move on. Here's one winner. Me. Went on spring break 147 days ago. It ended today when I went back to work. It's been a while since I've been able to listen to you boys on my commute. Well, welcome, welcome back. back. Yeah. Welcome back. Hope work was good on the uh, the first day back. You can text the show, ceasefire text line 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Hey, Dad, you mentioned it a second ago as uh, one of your losers. You mentioned uh, Mississippi State basketball. Let's go just a little bit deeper on that story. Robert Woodard, uh, Robert Woodard II, is choosing to stay in the NBA draft. So he had plenty of time to think about it. Obviously, this was a – you can tighten the screws on the side and it won't. I have been doing keep... that this whole time. Okay. Well, now you need some duct tape then. It's a blue chew. Yeah. Uh, hey, Dad's microphone keeps slipping in its uh, in its cradle. It's very annoying, yeah. Uh, anyway, point being, so Robert Woodard, you, you and others have pointed out that, look, if Robert Woodard comes back, given what Ben Howland has done in terms of rebuilding the roster, it might be a pretty decent basketball team that Mississippi State rolls out in the 2020-21 season. It's going to look much different, though, without him as part of that group. Yeah, I mean, take everything else away. and You look at a basketball team that loses its top four scores and didn't bring in you know, a recruiting class that has a couple of one-and-done guys, that's going to be a difficult task to get, to get back into the, uh, to the contention for the NCAA tournament. I don't know that this year's team was going to be a tournament team you know, before everything shut down. Um, but that said, yeah, I mean, I like DJ Stewart. I thought he was a good player. But he was the fifth option last year, and now he's going to be called upon to be the main guy. Abdul Adu, I mean, I think we, after four years, we sort of know what we have with Abdul Adu. He's a guy who go out there and do some of the dirty work, but he's not going to turn into a 15.9 rebound a game kind of guy. Um, I know that during the off season or during the season when Tolu Smith was was practicing, they were very high on him. But I don't expect him or Javian Davis to come in right away. And be you know be able to replace Reggie Perry. I don't know that they can replace them combined. You know, I guess the that's the SEC Player of the Year. So you lost the SEC Player of the Year, uh, the SEC uh, what Six Man of the Year, uh, your your starting point guard and your starting wingman who's going to go into the NBA draft. And I mean, you brought in some good freshmen. They're, they look like good pieces, but none of them are super elite guys. Man, it's, it's, it really looks like next year is going to be a tough one for Ben Howland. So we've got to figure that out. And certainly you wish Robert Woodard the best. Uh, it, it He's chasing a dream. 
And if he doesn't get drafted, certainly there will be opportunities for him to play overseas or perhaps in the G League or, you know, whatever uh, opportunity that is. But, and I, I guess in some ways, I mean, haven't we said before, and, and maybe it was about Woodard and Perry both, but Woodard more than Perry, the, the 1980s NBA would have loved Robert Woodard. Well, I think you know. I think they would have loved Reggie Perry. I think you got that backwards. Like today's NBA works for Robert Woodard, a guy, a big guy who can stretch the floor, athletic, and shoot the three. He shot forty three percent from behind the line last year. He's a really good. I think he fits good in today's. NBA. I don't think Reggie. I realized he was shooting. He shot forty three percent from three. Yeah, really good shooter from behind the arc last year. Perry, on the other hand, yeah, if this was nineteen ninety four. I mean, Reggie Perry is a classic behind the, you know, back to the basket, power forward, does the dirty work, can rebound, tough guy. He would, I mean, in a league where, you know, with Carl Malone and, and, and Charles Barkley and those kind of guys, would have fit in just right. Now in today's league, you know, he hasn't, I don't know that he's shown enough as far as being able to shoot out on the perimeter and stretch the floor to, to you know, be a real asset. I mean, I think he can be a role player for somebody, but he's the SEC player of the year, and most mocks you'll see have him going undrafted. Do you think it's more likely that Woodard gets drafted than Perry? Oh, yeah. 100% yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, one final two games going on and three more coming up uh, later tonight in the NBA bubble. Toronto beat Miami 107-103. Indiana's up on Washington in the third quarter. Oklahoma City leads Denver 51-50 at the half. Grizzlies and the Pelicans get started at 530 on ESPN. Night at 7, it's San Antonio and Philadelphia, and then the Lakers and the Jazz tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Sports Talk Mississippi, take a timeout. Be right back. When I walk through that door tonight. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. So if a coach is having a conversation with a player, the general thought is that that's a private conversation. But it's not a private conversation if one side of the two people on the call is recording the call and then they put the audio of the call out there publicly. That's what happened with Washington State new head coach Nick Rolovich, who replaced Mike Leach, formerly at Hawaii. It's what happened with, with Rolovich and Cassidy Woods, wide receiver, on Washington State's football team. Woods called Rolovich to inform him that he was opting out of the 2020 season because he has a sickle cell trait and would be at an enhanced risk amid the coronavirus pandemic. And Nick Rolovich told Cassidy Woods that he had no issue with that based on the reasoning. And then he asked Cassidy Woods whether or not he was going to be a part of the unity movement, which is what we talked about for the entire first hour of the show today, the um, the, the story from the Pac-12 players saying we are united and issuing these demands. And Woods, Cassidy Woods, said that yes, he would be supporting the movement. And Rolovich told him, well, that's going to be an issue if you align with them as far as future stuff. You could listen to the, the conversation. Was it about a, a three-minute snippet 
that that's out there. Maybe you can actually find a, a longer version of that. I, I listened to it last night, and man, you got people crashing down on Nick Rolovich for for his stance on this because he said the COVID stuff is one thing. Got no issue there, but joining this group, it's going to be different. If you say, I'm opting out because of COVID and health and safety, I'm good. But this group is going to change how things go in the future for everybody, at least at our school. All right, before we dive too much farther into it, your, your thoughts? That's, a, that's a, a risky move for a person who has to recruit athletes every year. Um I'm, I'm I'm very surprised by it, you know. Uh, been better off just to say, in my opinion, just to say, okay, well, you know, like I said, you can't be here because you're opting out, and we'll see you, you know, we'll we'll see how where your what your status is when uh we we, we get done with the season, you know. I, I would not I would not have gone down that ro- road if I were Nick Rolovich. I kind of like it to be honest with you. Um. So, so as we were talking, and, and I don't know that we got to any sort of a conclusion on the We Are United thing, and I don't know that there's necessarily a conclusion to arrive, or at, at which to arrive right now. Because as, as we were talking through some of those things, I pointed out to you that there are, there are some demands in there that I think are altogether reasonable, some of which were going to happen regardless, but, but altogether reasonable demands. But I think there's a lot in there that is not just unreasonable, but is absurd. And I just wonder if these college football programs or conferences, I mean, I think the NCAA, yeah, whatever, just set them aside. But the programs and the conferences are willing to to use Hey Dad's analogy from earlier, talking about a poker hand, say, yeah, we'll call you. We call. Now, again, I'm, I'm taking an analogy too far. So, Hey Dad, in the scenario you outlaid, or laid out just a second ago, you think that Nick Rolovich should have just checked there. Just check. Yeah. I would have just checked and, and played it on down. See, let's yeah. see a few more cards I, I and, see, the next and see what card. happens. Exactly, exactly. Because, like we said earlier, when the NIL stuff starts happening and some of these other things, chances are a lot of these demands could get walked back and people say, okay, we found a good compromise and all that. There, there was just no need to just come over the top like that. If we were to stay with the poker analogy, Rolovich has a pretty good hand, but he is overbetting it right now. He may be overbetting it, but he didn't go all in either. I mean, I, I think he kind of walked the line there. He's like, look, man, he's like, COVID-related health concerns, we're good. Yeah. I get yeah. it. No issue. But if you're aligning yourselves with this group that are making all these demands and you're threatening to not come be part of fall camp because of that, you're threatening to not play a season because of that, I, I'm sorry, I've got no place for you on my football team. Yeah. And I just wonder what would happen if – all of the coaches and all of the conferences said, we're working on meaningful legislation to address name, image, and likeness. It's going to take some time, but we're working on it. We are constantly looking at ways to improve 
health and safety. But on all these other demands, the answer is no. No. And if you don't like it, don't participate. We wish you well in whatever it is that you're going to do going forward. You do not have a place in college football anymore. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I'm not saying I don't want to play anymore, but we want to address. No, 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 no. There, there is no addressing. We're providing you a scholarship. We're providing you books. We're providing you board. We're providing you the best medical uh, care that's available while you're in school. We're providing you tutors. We're providing you all kinds of academic support. We've invested millions and millions of dollars into facilities. We're creating unbelievable exposure for you through the television contracts that, yes, benefit us, but they also benefit you. You're getting all of those things right now. So you can either play right now or not. And you can go, if a degree is important to you, you stay in the school you're in and you start paying for your own way. Or you can go somewhere else and go to school and do all the things that regular students get to do. You can go party until you don't want to party anymore. Nobody's going to be checking whether you attend class. We're not, we don't have a curfew. You, you don't have to follow any rules anymore. You get to go be as individual as you want to be, but you're not going to be a part of our team if you're part of this. And if every coach in the country goes with you, you're, you're okay. But if one coach embraces and says, hey, guys, I want to help you guys be a voice of change, and he starts winning games and you're losing games, well, then you're not going to be a coach for very long. You know what? That guy's only got 25 scholarships every year, though, hey, Dad? Well, that's fine, but if he gets the 25 best every year, he's going to keep winning. See Saban slash Nick. All right, so so you think if Nick Saban says that to Alabama, all of a sudden nobody wants to go play at Alabama anymore? I'm saying that, if again, if every coach does it, then you're okay. you got to have to sort of be – they're going to have to stand united, too, is what I would think. But if a coach embraces this and becomes a, a voice for change for his players, then he's going to have it. It's, it's as good a recruiting advantage as any. All right, which, which coach the out po- there? The, the main which point coach I want to make is there? this. Go, go ahead, sorry. The main point I want to make is this, though, is that coaches need players to win games and keep their jobs. So yeah. doing something that makes recruiting difficult is not wise, in my opinion. Especially since I don't believe what you're saying is going to happen. I don't think I think most coaches will take the approach that I said, which is if you want to set out the season, that's fine. We'll revisit it in the spring. Which coach that's out there is going to volunteer to take a fifty percent or more pay cut? No, he's going to do that. Well, that's one of the demands now. I, I get that. That but by that same token, most coaches aren't going to just sit there and say aren't going to sit there and cut off their nose to spite their face. And just give somebody some. You sure you want to go play for that guy? He doesn't seem to have his players back. And you know as well as I do that's that conversation will be had in living rooms, assuming they can get into living rooms anytime soon. They, they'll be happen, be happening. Players that Washington State wants will hear that from opposing coaches. Have you? Okay. But but I, I guess I'm, and it's not I'm like still... Washington. And what you just said about you know not wanting to play at Alabama. Yeah, kids are going to play at Alabama. Ain't kids knocking down doors to go to Washington State and play in the Palouse? Which coach is going to volunteer to no longer get a bonus for getting to a bowl game or no longer not, get a bonus them. for having a not certain APR store? But those are all the demands that are in here. Well, I mean, 
recruiting is sort of, you know, just telling people what they want to hear, right? You know, oh, you're going to be a star when you come to, 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 to my campus, and then first day, you're, oh, no, you're on the bottom of the depth chart. It's just what you're telling them. It doesn't make sense to tell them ahead of time, I don't have your back. Yeah. I don't know. If you listen to the call, I thought it was a fairly cordial conversation back and forth. I did, too. I did, too. But that's at the same time, you know, it was taken a different way, obviously, by the player. Yeah. I kind of tip my cap to Nick Rolovich. I I think he kind of said, this is where we are. If you want to be part of this program, you're going to be part of this program. You're going to come to practice. You're going to work out like all the rest of your teammates do. And if that's not for you, you can go somewhere else. We'll wish you well. Sports Talk with Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on Monday afternoon. Going to be part of the conversation you can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Can you imagine Joe Namath telling Bear Bryant anything? It's a different time. I mean, can you imagine black players on the team 60-something years ago? Uh, if a coach embraces it, he'll eventually be eaten by it, too. There's always more demands to be made. It's a difficult line to walk, too, because if you have a team eating and hey, guys, I support, I support your cause. Go do your thing. And they all sit out. You don't have a team to coach anymore. So it's a, a very interesting line they have to walk on, support, but also, hey, please play football for me. I tend to think, and I could just be wrong, just, but if a coach were to offer support, that his players would rally around him and play for him. It's something I've noticed, and this could be way off, they could be hiding in the weeds somewhere, but the, the document was signed, players of the Pac-12, there were no names attached to it, and the amount of players that have publicly said that they are opting out of the season until the demands are met is a very small number, at it's least small. public. Yeah. So when they and start those, camp soon, and there's only the a stars. couple dozen guys across the league that have actually chosen to sit out, the movement's dead. Yeah. I don't know any of the stars of the Pac-12 off the top of my I mean, uh, with Slovis at, at USC... Uh, I don't. I mean, Oregon has good players, but I don't know a lot of them. They've got an offensive tackle whose name is funny and I yeah, can't yeah. pronounce it, but he's the, he's the best Sewell. in college football yeah. apparently, and he's opting might, out. Might be a top five. Yeah, he's he's opting out, I mean, and he will be drafted in the top five in the NFL next year. Maybe that's but, a little motivation for the opt out. It could very well be. You know, keep yourself healthy, and you know, be well, kind of like the guy at Virginia Tech something. who was the first. Yeah, yeah, who's projected first round pick. His comments today were a little disturbing, by the way, about how they were uh, just working out, 100 guys in the right weight room, nobody wearing a mask. And then he just he looked around and he thought, maybe this isn't for me. Yeah. Um, that message here says half the demands only apply to black players. So I wonder how that unites teams. See, that's where they missed the mark here on this as well. They did not provide examples. It, they, they ask for due process rights. When have a Pac-12 college football players' due process rights not been given to them? Because that's something that I think we can all support, right? We, this is America, and you should be given due process. Well, when has that been taken away from you? Provide there an example. Who, there, I mean, I, I, there are guys who've been suspended before legal things. I mean, Ole Miss has a player suspended right now. 
he hasn't been found guilty of anything. He's just been accused of it. But he's 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 suspended from the team. Yeah, Sam Williams. If I was, but but maybe I'm wrong. If I was accused of something similar, I imagine Super Talk would not put me on the air until I was cleared of said thing, though. No, you're, you're probably right. But that that is at the end of the day, by by definition, a lack of due process. But and it's also it's, you know, it's it's different. Is there, you know, you, when you work somewhere and you sign a contract to work there, I don't know, if, you know, but a lot of times that stuff's going to be in the contract. Is it in the, the scholarship papers? I, I don't know. King Biscuit says most egos are too big to sit out. I agree with that. I think ego's part of it. I mean, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. But the other part of it is college football eligibility is fleeting. I mean, there there is a fine line. Eh, maybe that's not the right way to say it. It's just a really short period of time. Four, maybe five, in some cases, six years. But for most, you're talking about either four or five years. Are you going to give up a season of eligibility? Now, my guess is some of these guys that sit out will claim COVID reasons this year so that they can get that year of eligibility back. But but if you don't claim that, then you got to decide if it's worth it. If it's worth giving up one precious year of eligibility, or I guess potentially more, for a cause that will benefit the future more than it benefits you right now. And and what if? Well, I mean, what, what if we just said, okay, all the demands, carte blanche, yes, 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 yes. You still going to pay a scholarship and all those expenses that go with it when you're paying the players half of the revenue that a sport generates? That's that's one area I don't think they thought everything through. Yeah, becoming now, I'm, employees. I'm not talking about the tax implications. I know there are a lot of people who go, oh, they're going to have to pay tax. Yeah, everybody has to I pay don't worry taxes. About the tax. Fine. Yeah, that, 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 that's not the issue. What about that $75,000 that it costs to go to Stanford? When you start splitting all that money up and divvying it out and giving it to 36 different sports and whatnot, are you going to be in a losing situation? Is it going to be a losing proposition when it's all said and done? I'm not sure this is as bright an idea as it was made out to be. Just after 5 o'clock with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. You want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to gigabit C Spire Fiber and see what real internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Learn more at cspire.com slash fiber. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. It's time right now for the College Football Fix.
football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. And don't forget the summer sales event is going on right now. Great savings on Ford's full line of SUVs. Plus, you can always get the F-150. 43 straight years is the best-selling truck in America. Uh, this story is kind of slowly being picked up. Um Interesting one out of uh, Fort Worth, out of TCU. Apparently, the entire defense, at least as I read the story earlier, was, well, they walked out of practice this morning. They refused to practice this morning because of a verbal incident between Gary Patterson, head football coach at TCU, and one of his players. I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the story pulled up in front of me, but basically there's a player who does not like the way that he was talked to, and Gary Patterson used two variations of the N-word. He never called the player the N-word, but he used it. And other teammates found out about it. Players shared his side of the story with his teammates, and as a defense, they decided not to participate. Um, who was it that tweeted that earlier? Let me get the exact wording right from the, from the story. Um, Borky, have you read this yet? Uh, I have, yeah, and I actually saw, uh, because this is how things play out now, I saw it uh, on social media where the TCU players were actually going back and forth in disagreement about how they should feel about the way Gary Patterson used that word in the situation. Now, they all agreed that that is a word that you just simply don't use in any context ever, but he did have players come to his defense and say, he was trying to tell you to stop calling each other that in a team meeting. He did not reference you as one. He said, you need to stop saying that word to each other. But he used the word out loud. So there is, because again, this is how things happen now, there are players airing their disagreements out with each other on a situation on social media for everyone to see. Dylan Jordan is a player. He's a redshirt freshman. And he tweeted, I only speak the truth, hashtag BLM. And then he went to the notes function on his phone, typed out a note, and then screenshotted it in the tweet. He says, in a year's time at TCU, I've met a lot of people and have really fell in love with the location and atmosphere here. As a student athlete, you go through and do many things others don't. You learn a lot about things like sacrifice. On the football side of things, life has been really rocky since arriving at TCU. I was promised early playing time during recruitment, which never happened. I've asked why I care, ways I can get on the field, even suggesting moving positions never happened. This past Sunday was our third practice of fall camp. Coach Patterson called me out for posting my girlfriend on National Girlfriend Day in front of the defense. As practice moved on, he approached me and I told him, you should have just asked me about it. He then said, you're a blank brat, and I'll send you back to Pitt. I said, for what? I ain't did nothing. He followed me with, you've been saying 
the slang version of the N-word, but he used the word, according to Jordan, in the meeting room. This morning I show up for practice and multiple players approached me and I told uh, uh, multiple players approached me and asked if it was true. I told them yes and how everything happened. We refused to go to practice this morning and he came to the locker room and said, I guess to the other players, I wasn't calling him an N-word. And he wraps up the post by saying this behavior is not okay now or ever and there needs to be repercussions on these actions. I guess my first reaction tell me if I'm wrong here. In the world that we live in right now the context really doesn't matter that much. The word or any variation of it cannot be verbalized by a white man. Simple as that. I mean, it certainly can, but the repercussions to follow are never good. Well, I, I don't mean <laughs> I guess like physically you're not able yes, to you say, it. say it. You could physically say it. Yes, thank uh, you. I, I, I was just being a jerk there. Sorry, I'll, but uh, but that's what it comes down to. Is even if you're telling your players not to call each other that, you don't have to say it, and, and just don't, because all it's going to do is ignite things that don't need to be ignited, and it. Uh, opens up wounds that don't need to be opened up. So just say, stop calling each other that word, and you know what word I'm talking about. Don't do that in this locker room. Don't do this. Do, don't do that in Simple this meeting. Simple as that. Simple as that, Borky. You're 100% correct. Yeah, and, and, and in fairness, or, or context or whatever, this is what happened at Clemson also, right? You have an assistant so, yeah, coach yeah. who yep. was addressing players for using that word or a variation of that word and he was basically saying, you're not going to call each other that. But he didn't say that. He said the word. Yeah, he said, all I hear is that word this, that word that. I don't want to hear any of it anymore. Don't say it again. Well. Problem is he used it twice in the process of saying it. And you can't do it. Yeah, we get a text saying, stop kissing people's you-know-what. In this case, it's very different. This is not like caving to the Pac-12's demands of a 50-50 revenue split. Uh, this is a word that for decades was used to... Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't have to go there, Borky. You don't have to go there. Just It's just different. And I think those of you that texted and know that it's different. Um... David disagrees with us vehemently. Somebody said, I don't believe this. There's no way in 2020 he said that. There's already been some players backing Gary Patterson on Twitter saying... Oh, they they He said the partial word, not the full word. Don't do partial. Just don't do it. It's that simple. I mean, here's a message that says, if a white man can't say it, a black man shouldn't. Shouldn't? Maybe. You're right. But it's, it's different. We can argue whether it should be different or not, but it's different. 
Just is. Some message says, I'm sick of separate rules for white people. This isn't about that. There are some words that if I come on the radio and say them, I do not have a job tomorrow. Doesn't matter what the context was. By the way, that's one of them. But I'm talking like George Carlin's seven words. And at best, I would be thoroughly reprimanded and probably suspended from my job for a period of time. If it was like, that was out of context. I'm I'm, I'm talking about if I were to use a profane word on the radio. Um... I'm sorry, but you just don't have an argument when you come with, well, they... Never mind. So let it go. I don't think, given what it sounds like the context is here, Gary Patterson will lose his job. But my guess is you're going to see an apology, and you'll see a reprimand from the university of some sort. And he's going to have to work really hard to regain the trust of his football team. Just a guess. It's your college football fix. Sports Talk Mississippi, back with you on this Monday afternoon. You want to be part of the conversation? We've told you, ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. A lot of folks wondering out loud, uh, partially because of a story that uh, Pat Forty and Ross Tellinger wrote at Sports Illustrated over the weekend about the Power Five conferences perhaps banding together to host fall sport championships if the NCAA and its meeting tomorrow were to cancel fall sports. And it's not just they're wondering if they'll host them, it's they're wondering if this is the first legitimate step toward a split between the NCAA and the Power Five conferences. What do you think? I think coronavirus was step one, and now that they are realizing, the Power Five as a whole is realizing that they, the NCAA, especially in football, because as we know, football is the only thing that matters, really, uh, basketball in a few places makes some money, in a very small amount of places makes real money, but by and large, it's football. Uh, they've learned that the NCAA has no power over their scheduling or their championship. In fact, they let the inept NCAA enforce rules, but really do nothing else for them. And so now they've had this coronavirus happen, and there's no real leadership in college football, and the NCAA doesn't really do anything for them except for say, hey, it's on you guys, figure it out. And so they have. And now they're sitting here thinking, you know what? We have this organization that keeps us down and arbitrarily enforce, or enforces a set of rules that go back decades that we can't alter. We have to play by the same set of rules as Old Dominion, even though we get more from our conference. We get two times more, three times more from our conference than they have in their entire budget, but yet we have to play by the same set of rules we don't have to do that anymore. We can 
schedule our own games and hold our own championships, what do we need the NCAA for? And they, we are watching them realize this in real time with these schedule announcements and these 10-game conference things and now this where they're going to do their own fall championships if they get canceled. It's just another day where they realize that they don't need the organization. They've outgrown it in a way. It's really nice to see. By that same token, though, I mean, if the Power Five does break away, it's not like they're going to f- form some brand new thing where players can just get all the money they want and, and everybody just they're just going to form another NCAA. You know, just have the Power Five teams in it. All all the problems we have with the NCAA and will we'll probably remain. There'll just be no Memphis or Southern Miss or or Arkansas State to to, to worry about. Don't you think that they would revamp and simplify the rule book? Possibly, but at the same time, it's still going to be the, the. If you're a Mississippi State or an Ole Miss fan, I mean, this feels like a bad idea for you, because why now the well the powerful are going to get more powerful. It feels like. If they know, do does it change, really change anything, probably not too much, but you know, a little. Can you how, how, think about just thinking about it in terms of a schedule, right? If you. Can you schedule non-conference games with teams that aren't in the new NCAA? Because if you're Mississippi State or Ole Miss, that's that's four probable wins most seasons for you. You hope, anyway. Yeah, I would think that you would still be able to schedule. I mean, right now you can only schedule one FCS team. Can you schedule only one group of five team? And now you've got to play two Power Fives and your eight conference games? I don't know. Do you think if we play this 10-game season in the SEC of conference games only, let's say it goes well, you get through it, get to the end, it's entertaining, can we go back to eight conference games? Yes. I think schools enjoy the easy win too much. And they enjoy the home games too much. I mean, that's three. Usually, in, in, in a given year, your non-conference games at, at worst three of them are home games. Well, nobody plays more than seven home games, though. Well, yeah, but our, if you go to a ten-game conference schedule, you're going playing five. Sure, and then you schedule two non-conference games, and I guess you hope. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think that the 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 the, the gimme games are always going to be part of the schedule. Could you see maybe not sticking with 10, but going to nine conference games? That's what Nick Saban wants. I don't know. I just, I just think, you know, we talk about, oh, nobody wants to see those games. And, and, and most years that's probably true. But you know as well as I do that if State could have played New Mexico on, on the 5th, there would have been, and could have brought in as many people as they wanted, there would have been 60,000-plus in that stadium. You know, this this pandemic has has I think has revitalized people's desire for live sports. So I, I I mean even even if if imagine if the first sporting event you can get a full house for is an MSU basketball game, where there haven't been full houses for the past decade, but there could be one there, and there probably would be. Just yeah, maybe. I, I, I well you know you never know. You might, <laughs> might be, be a little too pie in the sky. just a little bit there, Mister Hayden. A little too pie in the sky there. I don't know. Well, I was going to – the only pushback I would give you on the, okay, stadiums are open, y'all come, you could fill it up if they'd let you. We thought that about TV ratings on sports coming back as well. 
and they haven't yeah. been like blow you away numbers. They've just been kind of like they were. I wonder if people's appetites are going away at all. I hope that's not the case. Really hope that's not the case. This story says the Board of Governors, comprised primarily of university presidents and chancellors from all levels of the NCAA, has a meeting on Tuesday. At that time, it's expected to make a decision on the fate of fall sports championships and other FBS football, which has a championship outside the NCAA structure. However, they could also delay action until later in August. In recent days, Power 5 conference officials began seeking feedback from their members about the feasibility of staging their own championships during the fall. When asked if such a move away from the NCAA championship structure could be seen as a precedent-setting rift between the national governing body of college sports and the Power 5, one athletic director said, quote, if I were NCAA President Mark Emmert, I'd be really worried about it. He's got to keep the Power 5 together. And so maybe, even if it's not a pull-away, maybe it's a bargaining chip. Maybe it is an opportunity for the Autonomy Five conferences, which have gained power and strength and kind of an individual set of rules in recent years, maybe it's an opportunity for them to get more of what they want. Whatever that is, whatever that they want is, Maybe they can consolidate a little bit more power, a little bit more money. I I don't know. Just thinking out loud. Another Power 5 athletic director said he thinks the chances of a breakaway fall championship schedule are remote, but added, quote, I think this is representative of the poor relationship between the national office and our conferences. These are things that athletics directors never, even anonymously, would have gone on the record saying in the past. And now there's nobody out there that's not willing to take a shot at the NCAA and Mark Emmert. Everybody's willing to take a shot now. He's kind of earned it. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing, though. In college football, he has been kind of rendered powerless. So I did see, well, it was Feinbaum, and then there's a couple of columnists that were like, where's Mark Emmert in all this? And it's like, hey, guys, I think he's as as incompetent as everybody does. But his hands are tied when it comes to college football. He doesn't make scheduling decisions. He doesn't make championship decisions. I mean, yeah, he probably could have stepped up more as a leader to help like guide the process, but... He doesn't have any authority in college football. So what do you want him to do? It's best that he stayed out of the way because now the conferences, the people that are not, with the exception of the Pac-12, led by incompetent commissioners, are putting schedules and plans and stuff together. And I mean, by and large, it's kind of worked, right? We've had a handful of shutdowns because of coronavirus and stuff. Northwestern, you can add them to the list, had one positive today, and they're shutting their workouts down until Wednesday. So they can test everybody and get results back. If they, if that's the only player, they're going to push on. But there's 130 college football programs, give or take. We've got 15 of them had to stop for a period of time because of positive tests. Things are working. And so it's kind of better that he's been out of the way. Yep. Might be on to something. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm.
The XFL is no longer without an owner. Tell you who and whether or not it'll work when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Interesting story popped up on my radar, maybe yours earlier this morning. And that is the XFL might not be dead after all. They uh, they shut the league down in April. Filed for bankruptcy after the COVID-19 pandemic prompted the cancellation of the inaugural season, which got off to a pretty good start in terms of television viewing audience. Kind of a great... Never mind shutting it down. What kind of a grade would you have given the XFL through its first five weeks? A B, B plus. Okay, had some had some kinks to work out, but by and large, it was a watchable product. You watched some of it, didn't you, Borky? I did. Yeah, quarterback play was a real problem. Uh, I mean, it, that that was kind of the difference between it being you know watching a. Group of five game uh, on a Saturday morning because there's nothing else on in watching high level football was they had some bad quarterbacks in that league. I mean, guys that had no shot at making the NFL as a professional. And I mean, Jordan Tomu was arguably the best quarterback in the league. Yeah. And while he was a good college quarterback and he'll probably be a backup in the league for a long time because he's a good locker room dude and he's the typical backup where you know you can put him in the game and he's not screwing anything up. So good guy, smart guy, fine college quarterback. But he's not an NFL starter, clearly. And he was the best guy in the league. Played very well, but it was a significant drop-off after him and, oh gosh, what's his name? The guy that that was in Tampa, the runner. Uh, Quentin Flowers? Yeah. Well, Cardell Jones was in there too, right? Or was he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was there, but he stunk. He, he He had a couple good weeks, and then it just sort of went away. So the XFL has been sold, and the bankruptcy court still has to approve the sale, but they've been sold to a group that includes former WWE star Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, there's a small update to this, too, by the way. So there, there's a hang-up because uh, the, I guess you can call it current owners, even though they filed for bankruptcy, uh, think that the $15 million number is too low, and so they're resisting it somehow. Yeah, they say beggars can't be choosers, but apparently that's not accurate. So this is Vince McMahon's Alpha Media or Alpha Entertainment that's trying to push back against it? They're pushing back against the sale because they think the $15 million number is too low, which, I mean, call me crazy, in the middle of a pandemic after your league failed and you have no financial backing, $15 million sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, my guess is the reason they're pushing back is because whatever doesn't get covered in the bankruptcy sale there's going to be a fight over them having to pay the difference. Yep. I'm assuming that's what that's about. So as it stands right now, The Rock is part of a group that includes uh, Jerry Cardindale of Redbird Capital and a couple of other folks to buy the XFL. $15 million. Uh, they split it evenly. Uh, the Rock, Danny Garcia, who is... The Rock's business partner, who is also his ex-wife. <laughs> Something makes you scratch your head right there. And then Jerry Cardindale, who uh, spent a couple of decades at Goldman Sachs, 
and then was the founder and is the managing partner of Redbird Capital, one of the co-founders of Redbird Capital, interestingly enough, is, uh, was Hunter Carpenter, who was former walk-on basketball player at Ole Miss. He played in that same era with Keith Carter and Ansu Cisse and um, Jason Flanagan. I'm sorry, Buck, Buck Flanagan. Jason was, yeah, yeah, Jason Buck Flanagan. Sorry, I was thinking about Jason Harrison for a second. So, yeah, Jason Flanagan was in there, and what? Why are you looking at me so funny? I was thinking of Jason Smith, I think. Jason Smith was on that team. Anthony Boone was in that era. So all those guys. Um, the Rob anyway, he was Evans one of the, era. Rob Evans transitioning into... Um, Rod Barnes. Rod Barnes. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a little fascinating to me, though, because the private equity position... Redbird's been active in this in recent weeks and months. They just bought a European soccer club, um, or or at least back to the purchase of a European soccer club. This was the only qualified bid to buy the league. The transaction is subject to bankruptcy court approval at a hearing coming up on Friday. And assuming that closing conditions are satisfied, it's expected to close on or shortly after August 21st. Story from Sportico says, um, Presence of Johnson continues pro wrestling's involvement in the Spring Football League, which was founded and funded by Vince McMahon. Jeffrey Pollock was the XFL president who oversaw the sale process for the league, says... I could not imagine a better outcome for the XFL. Danny, Dwayne, and Jerry are the best possible ownership group for the exciting journey ahead. Their collective track record of success in entertainment, sports, and media is stellar. I think our fans, players, coaches, and partners are in for something special. Do you believe it'll make a return? Does The Rock being part of the ownership group inspire confidence? Have you seen some of the dollar figures his bad movies have made lately. Oh, they're crazy. I mean, you can put the rock on anything and it sells, man. There's something about if, that guy that just... If, if this fails, it'll be the first time he's failed. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, that guy has... Everything has, has t- turned to gold for him. So. Estimated net worth of $350 million. As an aside, he's you know got how many five thousand dollars shirts you can buy with three hundred fifty million dollars? A ton. Is that what he pays for his shirts? Five thousand dollars shirts. His cheat days are hilarious too. So he's obviously a, a workout nut. But like, what? What is it? Once every two weeks? It's every fourteenth yeah, like day. He has a, a stack cheat of pancakes day. this high. Yeah, he'll eat. I mean, a twenty stack of pancakes and two pizzas and like three cheeseburgers and just go all out for that one yeah. day every two weeks. A couple dozen donuts. It's just crazy. All I know is I just caught just a minute last night of Titan Games, which is the show that he's the executive producer on, and then he's like a kind of reporter on there as well on NBC last night. Dude's arms are like. As big around as small tree trunks. Big dude. Like, like, like his shoulders, like bicep area, in the neighborhood of the same size as my waist. And my waist is bigger than it used to be. 
Have you seen that picture of him standing next to Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I love pictures where big people look small. Like the picture of Wilt Chamberlain next to Andre the Giant. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wilt Chamberlain looks like a little kid. And Schwarzenegger's in there. He looks like a baby. And Mark Wal- Mark Wahlberg looks like their seven-year-old like child. Yeah. But just Google that picture. Just uh, the rock next to Shaq and Charles Barkley. It- it'll blow your mind. The 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 ones the best ones are the ones with Yao Ming. I-, I I'm on the Yao Ming conspiracy theory that he was actually eight feet tall, and the NBA just didn't want to say that he was eight feet tall because he's so much bigger than everybody else. He dwarfs over Shaq. He really does look small next to Barkley and Shaq. My I know, goodness. and that was a division. That was a Miami defensive end next to those yeah. two dudes. Yeah, I can testify to the Shaq that uh, the fact you, that Shaq yeah, is the most massive human say, being I've ever been around in my life. That's your Twitter cover picture. You're sitting right next to Shaq. Yeah, yeah. He he sat down. It was the night they uh, unveiled at halftime in LSU that he was getting the statue, the bronze statue outside. And by the way, he hit a half-court shot as well. Just kind of flipped one up there, bottom of that place, went nuts. Sits down for a couple of segments with us, and like you, you can't describe how big his hands are yeah. and just how big of a human being he is. Yeah, he's monstrous. He, he sits down, and you know, and he, he's hilarious, too. Sits down. It was uh, Damian Fishback and I were doing the game, and he sits down and kind of looks over at me. He's like, man. I got to get a job like you guys. I can wear a suit like this. It's a nice tie. And I'm like, uh, 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 hold on a second. Let's do a little quick net worth comparison. Yeah. What's funny is he got a job like that. He did. <laughs> now he's a commentator and he's wearing a suit everywhere. Well, and, and had a job like that at the time. Oh, he's just being funny. Yeah, he's there in a oh, I didn't, t-shirt I didn't know he was and jeans. Already and, doing that. Yeah. Yeah. This was maybe three years ago. Okay. So he's uh <laughs> Just a but, massive. But then Google a picture of him next to Yao Ming. Yao Ming is eight feet tall. Believe it. Shaq and Yao Ming side by side. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even. It's it's. Yao Ming is so much bigger than him. It's 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 scary. He's like a head taller. Yeah. Pretty insane. Pretty insane. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.